New York has lifted its mask mandate for hospitals and other health care facilities that applied to staff, patients, and any visitors in medical settings, regardless of vaccination status. Sharon Nachman is chief of the Division of Pediatric Infectious Diseases at Stony Brook Children's Hospital. She's still urging people to continue wearing masks despite the mandate being lifted. So we've seen that masks, particularly when we encounter patients who are ill, are incredibly helpful. They do stop transmission from the person who is sick to somebody who is taking care of them. We've seen that in household contact studies. We've seen that in community settings. We've seen it in family settings. Stony Brook joins several Long Island hospitals that will keep their mask policies in place. You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news update from the Connecticut, New York region. Jim Himes calls one Fairfield County community a model for affordable housing. Lamont's budget proposal includes help for first-time homebuyers and a lawsuit in Connecticut that's challenging a pandemic-era executive order. Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. U.S. Representative Jim Himes visited Fairfield today to discuss affordable housing. He says the state and country don't have enough housing stock. WSHU's Molly Ingram has more. Himes visited the Pine Tree Apartments in Fairfield. The complex has 50 affordable housing units. Himes says places like Pine Tree add to the community and are good examples of affordable housing in the suburbs. Too many of our, of our constituents are thinking of affordable housing as Cabrini Green in Chicago, you know, nine-story brick buildings where you're concentrating poverty with all of the sort of social ills that are associated. This is what 21st century affordable housing looks like, and we just need people to see this. Himes estimates Fairfield County is in need of more than 30,000 units. Molly Ingram, WSHU News. And speaking of housing in Connecticut, Governor Lamont's budget proposal includes $100 million to support first-time homebuyers in the state. WSHU's Davis Donovan reports. It's called Time to Own. Lamont says the program's meant to help low- and moderate-income families with down payments and closing costs. For example, he says the program would provide a forgivable loan to cover half of a $30,000 down payment on a house. The state started the Time to Own program last summer. It's administered by the Connecticut Housing Finance Authority. Lamont's proposal would put $50 million a year into the program for the next two years. Davis Donovan, WSHU News. Ridership on the LIRR increased by 50% last year. That's over 52 million customers. 35 million customers used the train in 2021. These numbers are still lower than ridership before the COVID-19 pandemic. Gerard Bringman is the chairman of the LIRR Commuter Council. Of course, that's excellent news. But it's still, uh, ridership is still only about maybe two-thirds of what it was pre-COVID. So, um while these riders are coming back, we still have a long way to go. The MTA has said ridership levels are expected to return to normalcy by 2035. A lawsuit brought on by the family of a hospital worker who died at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic is headed to the Connecticut Supreme Court. That story is after headlines and a message from our supporter. 
Support for After All Things comes from Hartford HealthCare. More COVID vaccine answers at hartfordhealthcare.org slash vaccine or 833-621-0600. In January, Connecticut generated over $5 million in its first month of recreational marijuana sales. The State Department of Consumer Protection announced medical marijuana sales raked in an additional $8.2 million. A bill in New York would allow residents to more easily sue fossil fuel companies for their roles in climate change. Under the proposal, people and organizations would be able to sue oil and hydrocarbon gas companies for their, quote, climate negligence, regardless of when the pollution or contamination occurred. Connecticut legislators proposed a bill that would deliver $13 million in early aid to Bridgeport Public Schools. The bill speeds up payment from state grant programs to schools in response to a greater amount of students in need, as well as the end of COVID relief funding. The funds will arrive during the 2024 to 2025 school year. case that's headed to the Connecticut Supreme Court is challenging Governor Lamont's executive order from the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic that granted hospitals and nursing homes in the state immunity from lawsuits having to do with COVID patients. Dave Altamari, an investigative reporter with the Connecticut Mirror, spoke with WSHU's Ebang Udama about what makes this particular case unique. Could you tell us a little bit about this case, this case involving Cheryl Mills and the Hartford healthcare system? Yes, so this case is about to go before the Supreme Court. It's a lawsuit by the estate of a woman named Cheryl Mills who died in March of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic uh, in Hartford Hospital. And her lawyers are challenging the executive order that Governor Lamont issued at the beginning of the pandemic, granting immunity from uh, lawsuits for hospitals and nursing homes. This had to do specifically with uh, with COVID cases, right? Yes. Because of the pandemic, he wanted to give them immunity for uh, any potential legal liabilities for fighting or treating COVID-19 patients. Now, why is this particular case unique? So in this particular case, uh, Cheryl Mills was actually an employee of Bacchus Hospital down in Norwich, which is owned by Hartford Hospital. And she was at work in the emergency room and fell ill. And the doctors there thought that she was having a heart attack and they transferred her to Hartford Hospital, which has a special lab that deals with heart patients. But when she got here, it was March 21st, 2020. So right literally at the beginning of the pandemic, um, when she got to Hartford Hospital, the doctor there wasn't as sure about the heart situation and thought she may have COVID. And so rather than admitting her to the special clinic, they put her in a general room and they gave her a COVID test. And it took them three days to get the COVID test back. If you remember back at the time, at the beginning of this, it was very hard to get testing and very hard to get those results. And so the test came back on the evening of her fourth night at the hospital, indicating that she did not have COVID. 
And that's when a doctor, shortly after that, a doctor did authorize her transfer to the special heart unit, but she literally died of a heart attack on the bathroom floor of her hospital room the morning she was supposed to be transferred. Wow. Now, the lawsuits and the arguments. What are the arguments in this lawsuit? So the judge in the case kind of did a, a split ruling. He ruled that the hospital and the doctors that treated Cheryl Mills were indeed covered by Lamont's immunity order until the moment that they determined that they realized she was COVID negative. And he, he said the, the lawsuit can stay alive as a malpractice suit from at roughly the 10 to 12 hour window when the hospital knew she was COVID negative and she died of a heart attack. So both sides are actually appealing to the Supreme Court. The hospital is saying it's clearly covered by the, the immunity and the whole thing should have been dismissed. While the plaintiffs are saying the hospital's hiding behind the, you know, the COVID immunity, and this is really a heart attack case that was misdiagnosed. Hmm. And basically, those are the main arguments here. If the court rules in favor of the hospital, it means that it was a blanket coverage that the governor signed when he signed his executive order? So whatever the court rules, here's what will happen. If they rule in favor of the hospital, then that will probably, in effect, kill four other lawsuits that are currently pending uh, against uh, three other lawsuits, excuse me, currently pending against nursing homes. Those cases are not as far along as this one is. But if the court rules that the hospital is indeed covered by the immunity I think it would be very difficult for another case to overcome that. Not impossible, but I, I think it would be very difficult. If the court decide, decides on the plaintiff, for the plaintiff, um, I think that would open the door to more lawsuits being filed um, because if you think back to 2020, you know, early uh, the spring of 2020, lots of people died in nursing homes. Uh, COVID, you know, just decimated our nursing homes. And a lot of people really have no idea how their loved ones died. And I think if the court were to keep this suit alive, I think you would probably see more lawsuits filed. And basically what's happening here is that all arguments in this suit are going to happen later this month or next month? I'm told I believe it'll be on the March calendar. So there'll be an argument and then there's several months, you know, three, uh, could be as much as six months before the court issues a ruling. I, I anticipate that the other cases that are currently pending against uh, separate nurse, against nursing homes will probably, I would suspect the judges in those cases will wait to hear from the, the Supreme Court rather than make a ruling that may not even be worth anything once the court makes theirs. Okay. So the bottom line is that there's a lot of money on the line, depending on how the outcome of this case is, and probably we'll get the, the verdict in the summertime. If we're lucky. Yeah, it'll be, I, I would say it'll, it usually takes them three to six months. And clearly there'll be a lot of attorneys that'll be watching 
the court's decision here. Okay, thank you so much, Dave. Dave Altamari is uh, the in-depth investigative reporter for the Connecticut Mirror. He is the co-author of an article about a Connecticut Supreme Court case that's testing the limits of hospital immunity. I'm Ebong Udama. For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or anytime online at WSHU.org or with the WSHU app. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare. And just like everything else you hear on WSHU, this podcast is also made possible with support from listeners like you. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing this podcast with your friends. I'm Sabrina Garon. Have a great rest of your evening. We'll talk tomorrow. Thank mm-hmm. you.